want to extend a very warm uh, welcome to everybody this evening and uh, trust that we'll know God's blessing as we seek to worship God and uh, wherever you are uh, we hope that you'll uh, be able to join with us at this time of worship and we give God thanks for being able to uh, make this provision where we can virtually and share in the fellowship uh, with other people in their own homes or wherever we're situated. We're uh, going to begin with a couple of very short readings of God's Word. First of all, we're going to read in Matthew's Gospel and in chapter 28, and we read there at verse 16, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And again in Hebrews chapter 13, we read there, Keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. So we're going to bow in prayer. Let us pray. Lord our God, we, we pray to bless us today. We give thanks for this opportunity of meeting round your word. And we pray that today will be a new day in our experience, where we will know that you are the Lord of heaven and earth. We give thanks for the way you have set things up, so that we are able to meet together. Though we're doing it virtually just now, in an amazing way, the fellowship of believers is not necessarily confined to walls, but that the, in a mysterious and wonderful way, as we are linked to Christ our head, we are also linked to one another, as we are the body of Christ. And that is a great mystery. But we give thanks, Lord, that as your word shows us these things, faith lays hold upon them and believes them. And these things help us in life, because we realise we're not on our own. We're not on our own because you have told us that you are with us to the end of the age. You have told us in your word that you will never leave us, nor forsake us. But we also are assured of having one another, that the fellowship in the gospel is real, and it is special, and it is precious. We give thanks, Lord, for all that we know and all whom we love uh, that are bound in you. And we pray for every home and every family as we gather together this evening before you. And we pray that your peace will be in our hearts and that your love will surround us and that we might know your help and strength physically and mentally and spiritually and emotionally and socially in all the different areas and aspects of our lives. And uh, so often we're finding at the, this particular time with regard to the whole social distancing uh, that it can be very difficult and trying and for some people uh, particularly people who have been on their own over a long period 
It is, it is a difficult and a trying time for them. And so we pray, Lord, that you will draw specially close to them. We also remember those who, that is, a, as it were, almost a normal experience as they have lost loved ones. And there may be their isolation is that which goes on not only day and month, but year after year. And so we, we really pray for them and ask that you will draw specially close to them. We pray, Lord, that you will be with us as a nation, particularly as uh, lockdown, the, 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 we begin to maybe move through the different stages. And we pray, Lord, that we won't hurry too much in a way that will cause a second spike. It's the last thing we want to see. We pray that week by week we will notice an improvement and that there will be fewer and fewer cases and uh, so many less deaths. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you will be with all those who have lost loved ones. And we know at this particular time it is so difficult. And even when people aren't passing away because of COVID, but whether they're in homes or in hospitals, because of just the lockdown and the way things are, loved ones can't be with them. It's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking for uh, those who are so seriously ill and heartbreaking for families. But Lord, we pray that in the midst of all that is taking place and all that is happening, that your presence and your grace will be known. We give thanks, Lord, for all our frontline workers and all those who have kept uh, the country going in all the different roles and in all the different services. We pray your protection upon them. Lord, we give thanks for those who, have, who are putting their lives in danger day by day. We give thanks, Lord, for our wonderful NHS and all our carers and homes and in the community. All those, Lord, who are uh, dealing often in a, a, with a relentless illness and a deadly disease that is, has wreaked havoc within not only uh, our nation but throughout the nations of this world. Oh, Lord, hasten the cure, hasten a vaccine. Hurry it up, Lord, we pray, so that uh, we will be able to see that, that uh, we'll be able to get back to a, a greater degree of normality. Maybe life will never be the same again and in some ways it might be good for us to appreciate life more and to be able to maybe not be so rushed as we were before. But we pray for all those who, are, who have lost jobs and those who are hitting real financial difficulties and problems. Lord be with them we pray because there's going to be a lot of fallout from this and so we ask that you will be gracious and that you will be merciful to us nationally and internationally. Be with our leaders uh, in Edinburgh and here in the council and down in Westminster. We commit them to your care. We pray, Lord, that you will grant them the wisdom from above, even if they don't look to you. We pray, Lord, that you will still guide them and direct them in the right way. We ask, Lord, that you'll be with our young as they go back to school, some of them going back and others preparing to go back. We pray for our teachers as They've uh, uh, have done a great work, a lot of it done virtually, some of them uh, in it uh, with classes all the time. And Lord, we commit uh, that great work uh, to your care and keeping. And so we ask that you be with us now as we come to your word. May we hear it afresh, may we appreciate it. And if there's anybody listening today who doesn't know you personally as Jesus, as the Saviour, and as Lord of their lives, we ask that even this evening that they will close in with you. And find that peace, that peace that is only found in Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that you will bless the nations of this world. 
And where there is poverty, we pray that you will bring resources in. Where there is famine, that you will bring in food. Where there is drought, that you will bring in water. Where there is persecution, that you will lift that persecution off. Because uh, it's the most awful thing to be living your life uh, where uh, an oppression is placed upon each and every day. Lord, grant freedom in this world. Have mercy then upon us and cleanse us from our sin. In Jesus' name we ask God. Amen. And I'm just going to say a wee word to, to any of the young people who are uh, listening in today. I've, as you know, the, the out behind us here, we have a field filled with sheep and lambs. And the other morning, uh, I was up just the back of seven and I went through to this room that I record in here which looks out directly onto the field with the sheep and the lambs and there's a wee patch it's a field of grass and obviously there's grass and there's rushes but there's a patch quite a quite a big patch not too big maybe the size of two rooms where we had piled up gorse and we burnt it and now there's not a trace of any of the gorse left but there's this big black patch of earth the grass will grow there again but just now that's what it is, just this black patch of earth. And for some reason, the lambs love to go and lie in it. And they've got all that lovely grass around there, but every evening there's a squad of them, maybe a dozen, 15 of them, they come and they, they lie down there. And I don't know, people may be scientists, or people who know these things would be able to take, maybe the earth is warmer than the grass. I've never looked, I should maybe go and look and discover whether that's true or not. But they lie on the earth. But anyway, the other morning I got up, uh, just at the back of seven, and I came through and I was looking out. And there were three or four of the lambs lying on the earth. And there were two or three of them, and they were just standing nearby. They were nibbling away. And there were two or three of the lambs, so they were, as they were lying there, they were doing their slow chew. They were, giving an, they were enjoying their chewing away. But there was this little lamb and a plastic bag or some kind of bag had blown over and it was on the earth. And this little lamb was trying to eat the bag. So I knocked the window and of course nothing happened. So I, I, I went down and I went over to the wall. And I didn't want, because all the sheep were lying around, I didn't want to send the whole field of sheep running. So it was just very close by and I said, little lamb. Stop eating that bag, it's not good for you. And the little lamb looked at me, and all the other little lambs that were around there, they just looked at me. The ones who were chewing stopped. The ones who were nibbling in the grass, they stopped. They were all just staring, looking. There were three sheep lying there, but they seemed in a lazy mood. They were just looking and sort of saying, ah, I'm not going to move just now. So the little lamb was looking at me, staring at me and I was staring I did and then all of a sudden he just put his head down again and started nibbling at it and started trying to pull it and I said little lamb stop that that bag lambs don't eat bags look look at all the grass go and eat the grass that's what the grass is there for for you to eat it that might be your mum go and give her a poke and say I need some milk the milk is there, the grass is there, everything you need is there. Bags are not for little lambs. They're not good for you. And he just stared at me and stared at me. 
And you know what he did then? He just put down his head and started again at it. And that time I went, hey, get! And of course, the lamb shot away, but so did all the other lambs that were close by, and so did the sheep. And you know, I, I was thinking to myself, that little lamb is so like ourselves. Because God has given us everything. And God has said to us, he's given us a book, the Bible, which tells us the way to live. And he tells us things that are good for us, and he tells us there are things that are not good for us. Sadly, because of what's within our own heart, because of that what we call sin within us, we often like the things that aren't good for us. And sometimes we say, oh, there, there's no harm in that. I can do this even though God says it's not good. But God tells us it's not good for a reason. Because God sees the end of what will happen if we keep going on and on and on down that way. And so God comes to us and he says, no, don't be doing that. That's wrong. You're doing the wrong thing. And sometimes we stop and sometimes we listen to God. But sometimes, like the little lamb, we stop listening. And we go back to doing what is wrong. Because there's something in us which says, I want to do this. But we knew, you you know, I know, that's not good for a little lamb to eat a bag. Wouldn't be good for him. And equally, it's not good for us to be doing some of the things that are wrong. Even although sometimes we might like to do them. So we need to ask God every day, Lord, help me. Help me to follow what your word says. Help me more and more every day to move away from the things which your word tells me are wrong and to do the things which your word tells me are right. And help me, Lord, to trust my life in you so that when I do that, I will know that I'm doing the right thing. I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now we're going to read some words from uh, Matthew's Gospel. Again we go to Matthew's Gospel and this time we're going to read from Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, <coughs> excuse me, and we're going to read from verse 10. See that you, you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and Go in search of the one that went astray. And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. 
If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth <coughs> shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. <coughs> Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. And I want us to think in particular of these words in verse 20, Matthew 18 verse 20, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Now one of the things that we have so missed in the lockdown is the gathering together in church. We miss one another. Uh, it's, we just, <laughs> we long to be in contact one another, just to see one another. And uh, it's uh, one, of the, <laughs> one of the things that we, we, we missed incredibly. We're very thankful that we're able to meet like this virtually, uh, but it's not the same. Now I know that there might be a temptation when uh, the lockdown is lifted and once again we're able to get back to church. I don't know when that will be and how things will be, but gradually it'll be a process will be worked through. But it's very important that we do get back because there might be the temptation afterwards to say, well, you know, the, this virtual church is so much easier. And yes, in many ways it is because uh, you don't have to maybe rush on a Sunday morning to, to get ready and get all the family ready. You can just sit together on the couch and the chairs and watch. And you don't have to go out, it's a terrible day, it's windy and it's wet. Here you are in the comfort of your own home. So there's a, there can be a real, I suppose, temptation to say, oh, well, this is the way I want it to be from, from now on. And while it's wonderful that we have this, it's not the real thing. Because we need to be together. God has made us for himself and he's made us for one another. We need one another. Iron sharpens iron. The fellowship of God's people is really important. So God wants us to be meeting one with another. He loves his church to be together. He loves his church to be one together, to be pooling together, to be in unity and to be in harmony. You'll find that the Apostle Paul so often in his writings, he's stressing the importance of the unity and the togetherness of the church. And in this section, the Lord is showing the importance of us getting along uh, quietly together, but also of when anything does go wrong, of sorting it out quickly and quietly. And he sets a great example for us. Now, of course, we know that not everything can be dealt with in this way. So if something's really big, you know, it might, we can't do it. But in the normal run of life, if somebody does something wrong to you, says very simply, go and see that person. Don't go off and start telling everybody under the sun, oh, this person did this. Go and see that person. And tell what, what that person, tell to that person, him or her, what they've done. And maybe they didn't realise what they did was wrong against you. But if they say sorry and they genuinely mean that, then that's the end of the matter and they sort of sort it out. But if they don't listen, then you get two or three folk with you and they go. And if they don't listen, if he still or she doesn't listen, 
then it's then you take it to the church. See, Jesus is very keen that that we're, we're always working together in unity and in harmony. And so that's what this little section is about. But Jesus, at the end of it, he says that here we are, makes this great statement for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. And this verse has been a great uh, comfort and inspiration to people down through the years. Where as few as two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst. And that is certainly very true in the circumstances that we're in today. Sometimes you'll be on your own. Sometimes it'll be just two of you. Sometimes there'll be a few of you. But there are little small gatherings. But Jesus says, doesn't matter how small. That's what he's really saying. It's not literally just two or three. It just What he's trying to highlight is, it doesn't matter how small the gathering is. In my name, I will be there with you. And it's a wonderful realisation that, and we, we need to be reminded of it over and over again, is that, that the Lord Jesus promises always to be with us through the Spirit. And that's why we read, uh, both in Matthew, at the end of Matthew, Lo, I am with you always. Not sometimes, not most of the times, not just by day and sometimes in the night, but always, always. There's no point when I'm not there. I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's why it says in Hebrews that I will never leave you. Never. At no point. Ever. No matter what the circumstances are. No matter what you do. Even when you're disobedient to me, when you're against me, when you're sinning against me. Even when you're maybe like Peter, denying Jesus with oaths and curses. Jesus was still present with Peter. At no point. I will... He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So that's part of the great comfort as Christians that we have is this the special sense of the Lord's presence. But the Lord gives this added sense of his presence when his people come together to worship. And we've got to remember that there's something special about that. God wants his people to come together to worship. It's important. It's important for him and it's important for us. And while we are in our homes just now because of circumstances and God acknowledges us and the provision is made for us here, when that lockdown is over, we still must try and go to God's house. Because remember what it tells us in the book of Psalms, God loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. In other words, what the Lord is saying, that he loves his house and the worship in his house, whether it was in the tabernacle or in the temple, and now in, the, in our present age in the church, that is the seat where his honour is, the place that he loves to come, where his presence is coming in a special way. And so that's why it's incumbent upon us to make a way to where God has promised in a very special way to come. And there is something wonderful in the when we come to church, we come together to worship, to praise, to acknowledge God as our God. We come in dependence upon him. We come to pray, and as we said, to praise and to listen. And God has given us, in his wisdom, he's given us the reading and the preaching of his word. This is a way that people come to faith. 
It's a way that we are built up in the faith. So God in his wisdom has set this for us. And that's why he loves to be uh, at the gates of Zion more than, than anything else. And so we see here that it tells us very simply uh, in, in, our, in our text, uh, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Now you'll notice that there is a specific qualification given, gathered in my name. Because there can be lots of religious gatherings that aren't in the name of Jesus. And the Lord doesn't promise his presence there. He promises his presence where the gathering is in his name. So what does it mean in the name of Jesus? Well, a name, as we know, is what we're identified by. When I was born, I was given the name Kenneth Ian. That is how I am identified. That is what I answer to. That is, a, that is who I am. You have been given your name and that is who you are. It's our identification. But for the Hebrew, the name, yes, it identified, but it did more than that. The name described the character. And when we come to look at who Jesus is, we see that the very name of Jesus tells us who he is and what he has done. And when we think of Jesus, we must always think of him in, 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 the, in this particular way. Who he is and what he has done. So we're told, at the, remember the angel came at the time of his birth or before his birth uh, and told Mary, his name shall be called Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. That's who he is and what he has done. And so he is the saviour. It's a it's a, it's a most beautiful title that was given to him. He's the saviour, the saviour of this world, the saviour of sinners. And that's who Jesus is. He has come, that's what he's come to do, to save. This is a work that the Father gave him to do. It, is a, it was a difficult work. It was a work that cost him his life. But it is a work that he loves doing. This is, a, this is his great work. That's why Jesus said, I have come. He used to say that quite often. I have come. That's why I came. I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. Those who are lost. And you know, it's an awful thing to be lost. When you're lost, you don't, you don't know where you are. You don't know how to get from where you are to where you need to go. And sometimes when we're lost, we don't know that we're lost until we're maybe a, way, a good way along the wrong route. But what Jesus has come to do is to get us back to God. Because we've gone away from God and we're lost from God. And we can't make our own way back. And that's why Jesus said, I am the way back to God. I am the truth. I'm telling you the truth. I am life. I bring you life. So that your life will be lived in fullness with me as I bring you back to God my Father. So this is a wonderful work that Jesus does. And he's able to do that today. He's able to do that for you. You might be saying today and saying to you or tonight and you're saying to yourself, you know, I know people are saved. I hear about people being saved, but I don't know if that I can be saved. Of course you can. There's lots of people tonight who once said, you know, I don't think I'll be ever saved. I don't think I can be saved. 
Some people think that they're too bad to be saved. They say, oh, all after what? After all I've done, there's not a chance. No. The Lord is able to save. Do you know what he says? He's able to save to the uttermost. To the most far, far away, hopeless case. I'm able to save today. If you looked on the thief on the cross, that man who was dying beside Jesus, and a wee while in the earlier part of that crucifixion, that man was mocking Jesus on the cross. But then there came a point when he recognised who Jesus was. He was given to see. Lord, he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Talk of a short prayer, a recognition, an understanding of who was beside him. A recognition that he needed help and saving. Jesus said, yep, I'll save you to the uttermost. So he's able to save you as well. So we have to ask the question, save from what? Well, we're told he shall save us from our sins. And of course, sin is that which lies at the very heart of every single one of us. Uh, sin, very simply, is missing the mark. Now, Shorter Catechism would, would tell us that sin is, uh, is, uh, is any transgression or lack of conformity to the law of God or any transgression against the law of God. Very simply, it is missing the mark. God has set standards. And there they are. And we try to adhere to these standards and we can't. We're missing all the time. We just can't do it. And it's because of our total inability to save ourselves. It doesn't matter the reformation we try in our own life or all the resolutions we try to pass. It doesn't work. It might help. It might make our life a little better. But we still can't make ourselves right with God. Jesus said, I've come to do that. I've come to deal with that, with your sin, to save you from your sin because your sin and my sin, it condemns us. We're condemned in the sight of God because of our sin. Jesus said, I've come, to, I've come to deal with that so that I take that condemnation on myself. That's what he did on the cross. And all he says to us is, I just want you to believe and accept, in, accept me for what I have done in order that your life will now be accepted by God on behalf of what I did. So he saves us from our sin and he saves us too. That's what happens. He didn't just save us from that. He has saved us into a new life. A life of peace and of love and of grace. A life of fulfillment. A life of joy. A life. Yes, there's a struggle in the Christian life, but you're brought onto a new dimension where you see things differently. There's a spiritual beat about your heart. And you're able to see things. You're able to see the hand of God at work and things that you couldn't see before. And so there's this, this is what Jesus does. Saving is a wonderful thing. Many a person has been saved from drowning. People have been saved from burning buildings, from burning cars, dragged from burning planes. So to be saved, people have been saved by others doing first aid on them. It's a wonderful thing to save anybody. Well, that's what, what Jesus has come to do, to save, to save us. And what we've got to remember is that he's, today he's a living saviour. He's alive forevermore. This is not something that he did in the past, but he is still doing today. I am alive forevermore. That's what Jesus said, I am the living one. I was dead, but I am now alive forevermore. 
And the work that he, when he said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. What he said then, he is still saying today. So he's a living saviour who is able to save you today, to bring life into your life. But he's not only a a, a living saviour, but he's also a willing saviour. And that's that's a wonderful thing. He's willing to save. And if you go to him and say, Oh Lord, my life has been a bit messed up, but will you save me? The Lord is not going to say, Oh, you're somebody else. I'm too busy. Oh, not him, not her. No. He's just, he's delighted. It's it's what he came to do. There is no greater joy. It tells us this is a joy that was set before him. This is why he endured the cross. In order to save. So he's willing. He loves to save. Will you go to him tonight and say, Lord, save me. I don't know what all it means, but will you save me? And he will. Anybody who comes truly to him and really asks him, he will. And he's also a personal saviour. Because although the Lord has saved millions, Jesus has saved millions, but he has saved you. Save me, it's personal. It's as if there was nobody else but you. There's a beautiful verse in the Bible which says that he tasted death for everyone. For every single person that he died, he tasted their death. It was like he took it individually, personally upon them. As if it was just you and him. And he's saying, I'm dying in your place. I'm taking your sin on my behalf, on, on me. I am going to make you right before God. It's personal. That, that's, that's the wonder of this. And the other name that Jesus was given, the angel again said, there were the two names, Jesus, who will save us from our sin, and also Emmanuel, God with us. Isn't that beautiful? Imagine the condescension of God, not just looking down upon us, but God coming to live with us. God coming to be with us and to share with us and to help us. And we're going to remember that whatever situation that we are in, that he is there with us. And we have to ask him. Sometimes we're aware of his presence. Sometimes we aren't. But we're going to say, Lord, whatever situation I'm in, please, please, will you help me? Because he is always there. And he's there to strengthen us when we're weak. He's there to help us when we're in difficulty. He's there to aid us in our struggles, maybe with temptation. He's there to give us grace when we're maybe not dealing with things very well. He's there to give us joy in our heart when we're down. He's there to give us his peace when we're anxious. He's there to be with us at all times. And you know, when the Lord is with us, anything can happen. There's an, an, an awesome example in the Bible. Remember when Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace and Nebuchadnezzar went to watch them burn because he said, oh, I'm going to watch these guys burn. And he, I could imagine Nebuchadnezzar kind of rubbing his eyes as he's looking into the burning fiery furnace because the three men who were thrown in bound and he expected just to see them burn up. <laughs> They're walking about. But it's not three he's seen, but four. And he asks the question, did we not put in three? Yes. How come there are four? 
and of course the fourth was the was the, the presence of the Lord had come in a very wonderful way and made made himself known in that situation and he kept these men alive so that they came out as they went in now the Lord is not we're, we're not to expect something as dramatic as that when the Lord is present but we've always got to remember that anything is possible the presence of Christ is such a blessing because when we even just take it very simply where we are here this evening two things in conclusion he's there in our midst as a shepherd to look after us to feed us to protect us to nourish us to give us something for our souls he's there as a great physician a great doctor he knows exactly the remedy. He knows and he has a provision. And you know, if you had some incurable, or it appeared to you to be incurable disease, and someone said, you know, I can sort that, it would be madness to say, nah, nah, I'm all right. Just leave me alone. And that's what actually a lot of people do. With the offer of Jesus, Jesus is saying, to them, look, I can help you. The disease of sin is going to kill you. But I can... I, I am able to help you. And I hope tonight nobody will turn away and say, oh, leave me alone. Or I'll, look at, I'll think about it another time. You know, a lot of people are afraid of what it will be to become a Christian. That It's the uncertainty. They're comfortable. You, I remember it well. You're comfortable in your life. And you think, this is kind of the unknown. Not too sure. Well, the unbelief of your own heart and the whisper of the devil will tell you you lose out being a Christian. You don't. doesn't mean that your life is plain sailing, but it takes life to another level. And there's a fulfilment, and there's an understanding, and there's a purpose, and there's an identity when you become a Christian that you cannot get when you're not. So tonight, as Jesus is present with you, don't just let him go. But ask him at this particular time, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and into my life. We're now going to conclude our service singing to God's praise. And this time from Psalm 84. Psalm 84, and this is from the Scottish Psalter. Psalm 84, and we're going to sing from verse 8 to the end. Lord God of hosts, my prayer here. O Jacob's God, give ear. See God our shield, look on the face of thine anointed dear. For in thy courts one day excels a thousand, or rather in my God's house will I keep a door than dwell in tents of sin. And so on to the end of the psalm, Psalm 84, verses 8 to the end. Lord God of hosts, my prayer here. Lord God of hosts, my
And now may the grace, mercy and peace of God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest and abide upon each one of you now and forevermore. Amen.